Natasha Torres. I'm a spinning teacher, a recovering academic, and the founder of SheepSpot, where we're on a mission to revolutionize spinning education by using the power of online courses and communities to help spinners make more yarns they love and enjoy every step of the process. These days, I can make just about any yarn I can imagine, but believe me, I was not a natural spinner. Now, many skeins and hand-spun projects later, spinning allows me to express myself creatively and quiet my mind no matter how crazy the world around me gets. I created this podcast to give you both a clear strategy to become a skilled, confident, and versatile spinner, and lots of quick, actionable tactics that will level up your yarn making quickly and easily. If you're an inquisitive hand spinner, you are in the right place, and I'm so glad that you're here. Is spinning one of the ways that you take care of yourself? Do you wish that you could spend more time spinning, but you aren't sure how to cram it into your already over full days? In this episode, I'm going to talk about one way to make it easier to spin more. Hello there, darling Sheepspotter. Welcome to episode 89 of the Sheepspot podcast. I'm Sasha, and my job is to help you make more yarns you love. This month in the Guild, my membership for intermediate and advanced spinners, our theme is spinning habits. So that's going to be our theme for February here in the podcast as well. And for a long time now, I've been fascinated by pretty much everything about habits, what they are, how they're formed, what purpose they serve, how to create them, and how to break them. And so I think about them a lot, partly because I'm always trying to improve myself, which I've come to understand is both a good thing and a bad thing. Trying to improve is probably an okay thing, but the underlying insecurity that makes me want to improve, maybe not so much. Anyway, if you're trying to get better at anything, habits are a great place to start because habits are automatic behaviors. We don't have to will ourselves to do them. We pretty much just need to get them going and they run by themselves. Easy peasy, sort of. So habits are automatic behaviors. What does that really mean? Our brains are always trying to conserve energy. And one of the ways that they do that is to store sequence of, sequences of actions that we perform over and over again. So think about getting in your car and pulling out of your driveway, something that you've probably done hundreds, if not thousands of times. There are a lot of steps to this. You have to unlock the car. You have to get inside, put your seatbelt on. I hope you're putting your seatbelt on. Start the car, put it in gear, and then either back out or pull out of your driveway. I usually add plugging in my phone and choosing something to listen to while I drive. But once you perform this sequence a few times, you can do it without thinking about it, right? But put yourself in a different car and the sequence falls apart. And I was reminded of this recently. My husband and I just bought an electric car that is very different from our old reliable gas-powered Honda. So for one thing, it starts with a button. There's no key. 
Uh, it's an automatic. The Honda is a standard transmission. There's no engine noise. So it's possible to unwittingly get out of the car without actually turning it off. So when we got this car, I really had to think about every step in the sequence every single time I got into the car. What happens when you drive an unfamiliar car, a new car or a rental, is that your brain switches from that sequence of automatic behaviors, which are stored in an ancient part of the brain called the basal ganglia. And it fires up a much newer part of the brain, the prefrontal cortex, the part that makes decisions. And that kind of thinking, thinking with your prefrontal cortex, requires a lot more energy than just running through your sequence of automatic behaviors. So the purpose of habits is to conserve the brain's energy by putting frequent behaviors on repeat by storing them in the basal ganglia. And when you get into a car that isn't yours, your prefrontal cortex kind of wakes up and realizes that the usual pattern might not work in this case, and that in order to remain safe, you need to pay attention to the process of getting out of the driveway. Now, the good and the bad thing about this division of labor within the brain is that we don't have much conscious access to what's going on in our basal ganglia. And the upside of that is that it means that I can make my bed every day without even thinking about it and even feel a little bit weird if I oversleep and don't have time to make the bed. The downside is that I also tend to have a little dark chocolate before bed without thinking about whether or not I'm hungry, and you can insert any other bad habit here. We just don't have much conscious access to our habits, and that's both the best thing about habits and the worst thing about habits. So what does all this have to do with spinning? If you're not spinning as much as you'd like to, it might be useful to make some daily spinning a habitual part of your daily routine. To make it something that you do every day, regardless of what else is going on, regardless of whether you particularly feel like it in that moment. During the most productive times in my spinning life, I've spun every single night after dinner. I've wiped off the kitchen counter after loading the dishwasher and gone directly to my wheel, like clockwork. When I get out of the habit, I often feel too tired to spin in the evenings, or I just don't feel like it or whatever. Um, And of course, I'm not really too tired. I'm just going to be sitting someplace and spinning. But when I'm spinning habitually, I don't even ask myself whether I'm tired. I just start spinning. And even better, I don't have to use my precious and limited prefrontal cortex energy deciding to spin. The decision has already been made, and I'm, I'm just following through. I can use that energy to think about color or ply structure or any other way more interesting spinning-related thing. And since spinning is a major form of self-care for me, I'm much healthier when I'm spinning regularly. Spinning regularly just changes my life for the better. And I think it also changes the life of everyone around me for the better. One of the truly diabolical things about depression, which I am prone to, 
is that depression makes self-care harder. It lies to you, in the famous words of Will Wheaton, and um, it tells you that whatever will make you feel better actually won't work this time, or that it's too hard, it's too much effort, or I'm not worth it. These are all the lies that depression tells us. So if I'm depressed in a season where I'm not spinning automatically as part of my routine, and I'm trying to decide day by day whether to spin, I am much less likely to spin. The same with exercise, meditation, and everything else I do to stay healthy. I need to do them automatically because if I'm relying on willpower and my prefrontal cortex, things can go pear-shaped pretty fast. Knowing that you can change your life for the better by building the right habits, fiber-related or not, is really empowering. Routines can create it can reduce stress by creating structure and predictability. Approximately 40% of what we do every day is driven by habit, so we might as well make sure that we're choosing habits that align with our goals and values and make us feel better instead of worse. In the next episode, I'm going to talk about how to identify the kinds of friction that may be making it hard for you to create a durable spinning habit and eliminate them. In the episode after that, I'll talk about what the latest work in neuroscience and behavior science has to say about habits and how you can use it <clears throat> excuse me, how you can use it to create a spinning habit or any other habit you like to cultivate more easily. And in that episode, I'm going to be drawing chiefly from the work of behavior scientist BJ Fogg uh, on a system of habit formation that he calls tiny habits. And then finally, you're going to hear from some members of the guild about what their spinning habits bring to their lives. There's a post in the flock, Sheepspot's free online community for inquisitive hand spinners, where you can comment on and discuss this episode if you would like. I'd love to know whether you found this episode helpful. I'll link to that thread in the show notes, which you can find at sheepspot.com slash podcast slash episode 89. That's it for me this time, Sheepspotter. I will be back next time with more ideas about how to create a spinning habit and keep it and you thriving. In the meantime, my love, spin something. You know it will do you good. Have you joined The Flock yet? The Flock is Sheepspot's free online community for inquisitive hand spinners. As a member, you'll get access to a complete library of podcast episodes, all the free resources I've created for the podcast, several self-guided challenges, our Friday spinning check-in, and more. Head to theflock.sheepspot.com to sign up. <laughs>